Welcome to this week's edition of Coach Prep. Coach Don and I are back together in the Cherokee Batting Range Podcast Studio getting ready to record episode number 165. We're going to talk about the transition from learning skills in a robotic way to making things a little bit more fluid and, and a little bit more efficient. Before we do that, though, let's talk about our sponsors. First, the Anderson Bat Company. Everything Fast Pitch is very proud to have Anderson Bat Company as our presenting sponsor. Anderson Bat Company is using the latest and greatest bat technology to corner the market in the fast pitch world. They have the minus nine rocket tech, the minus 10 carbon, and the minus 11 carbon light. Anderson Bat Company is using this technology to put a high performing bat in the hands of hitters that really know the difference between a good bat and a great bat. We're also working with Anderson to provide a discount for all of our listeners. Go to the Anderson Bat Company website and order your bats. Use the EFP20 discount, which is for everything fast pitch, and you'll get a 20% discount. It's a great way for you to save a little bit of money on a great bat and also help support everything fast pitch at the same time. Also, let's talk about patreon.com slash everything fast pitch. We want to say thank you very much to Keith Belfonte, is the newest patron that's come on board to help support what we're doing. As we've been talking about now for several months, we need more patrons. We're trying to come up with some ideas, ways to encourage more of you to help support what we're doing with the podcast. But the reality of it is we, we definitely need more people to come on board. It's $5, 10 or $20 a month. There already are some built-in incentives with those levels of support. But the most important thing is if we don't get some more people uh, eventually here in the next few months, this whole podcast thing's going to have to go out of business. We don't want to fade away. Yeah, we don't want to uh, say that, uh, sorry, but this is the last one. So um, the good news is we've had enough people come on board that it's gotten us closer to the break-even point, but we're still operating in the red every month. This uh, last couple of months with all the stuff that's gone on in my life health-wise, the idea of not being able to break even on the podcast is a whole lot less affordable now than uh, than it was a couple of months ago. So um, if you can, again, go to patreon.com slash everything fast pitch. And again, thank you very much, Keith. We do really, really do appreciate your support. So Don, one of the phenomenon that we have to deal with in our game, and I think it's true of baseball and softball, one of the things that I see all the time is that in our enthusiasm to teach a skill, to teach players how to do things, that sometimes we break things down, we slow things down, we slow motion things to the point where we're kind of teaching skills in a very much of a one, two, three, four, five kind of system, like you said, pieces. So we learn part one, then we learn part two, then we learn part three, and then you know, we try to integrate all those parts into a motion. But I think because we've taught so much of the game in such a regimented and robotic style that a lot of players have a hard time transitioning then, taking the pieces that we broke down into step-by-step-by-step parts and reincorporating them, reconnecting them, and making them into a fluid part of the game. No, I think that's uh, an exciting thing when they actually get it because, boy, does it look great when you've got a like a middle infielder turning to or you know somebody that can field a ball and, and get it in the air quickly. Once they get that part of it, it's pretty exciting to watch them play. Right. And but just as you said, you know, in the beginning, you are watching the players go through each of those pieces one by one, and it looks almost painful sometimes in the beginning. Right. But. Well, and and throwing is a perfect example. I mean, you know, not that long ago, even I was uh, at a coach's clinic listening to somebody talk about teaching throwing and kind of doing the same stuff that we did twenty years ago about. You know, start here, then you move here, One, then two, you move threes. here. Yeah. yeah, and it was 
you know, very robotic and all that kind of stuff. And, and again, it's kind of a balancing act, right? Because when we're teaching a skill, sometimes we do have to emphasize something or we have to exaggerate something to help a player kind of get a feel for it, to understand what it is that we're trying to do. But I think one of the things that we have to continually remind ourselves of is that when this game is played well, all those pieces add up and it's like all the different notes add up to be a symphony. And unfortunately, a lot of the players that were, were teaching the notes don't have the ability or the knowledge on how to take all those individual notes and put them back together and make it sound like a, a beautiful piece of music. Again, I think it's an experience thing, right? Or a familiarity. Once they get those pieces and they, they do it enough, then it becomes a little bit smoother and, and more fluid. But um, as coaches, we need to emphasize the, the need for us to get to that point right? so that they don't continue to stay in that mode. And I think that we're going to, you know, as we're doing that, probably get out of sync and we're going to look a little funny in the in the beginning while we're trying to rush things or we might make more mistakes when we're trying to rush them. But um, if they get the idea or the notion that that's kind of the, the end game for us to get to getting the ball in the air more quickly and right. efficiently, you know, that we might get there sooner. Right. We, well, and I, th- I think one of the traps that we fall into when it comes to teaching some of these different skills is that we kind of have it in our head that there's a right way and a not right way of doing a lot of things. And I think that if we laid it out like on a spectrum, it's really more of the best way to do something and the worst way to do something. And all, all along that spectrum is where all players fall. And I think what ends up happening is we'll have some kids, so let's say the scale is one to 10. 10 is they're doing everything in this skill absolutely beautifully. It's as good as it could get. And zero is, oh my God, this kid shouldn't be playing softball, (laughs) right? And so we end up with kids that are six, sevens, and eights on the spectrum, and they're doing a lot of stuff well. They're doing a lot of pieces to the, you know, adding a lot of these pieces together very well, but there's still one or two things that just aren't quite there. And I think we have to make sure as coaches that you know, we're encouraging those players to continue to work on some of those weak areas and what they're doing. But if we spend all our time trying to change that one or two weak things, that a lot of the other strong things kind of get lost or they, or they don't stay as strong as they used to. You know, one of the things that you know, we've talked about a lot in the past, that you know, I think video is, is a great tool. But I think when we talk about like videoing our hitters, that way too many people video them so they can show them all the things they're doing wrong sure. instead of showing them some of the things or a lot of the things that they're doing right. I've come to this conclusion, and, and uh, I believe this wholeheartedly, that it's a lot easier to remember to do a couple of things right than it is to try to not do a hundred things wrong. Sure. And if we're using that stop action ability, that mechanical, you know, robotic ability to look at one little piece of the overall puzzle, I think we get caught up in a self-fulfilling prophecy. We end up creating this problem we're talking about because of the way we're coaching it. So if, if I've got a kid who's swinging the bat really well, really aggressively, hitting the ball hard at a really high percentage, but I slow her down and make her work on one little thing in her swing over and over and over again to perfect one little piece. Taking half of that power away. Right, and, yeah. and, and maybe added other issues or created other challenges that you know maybe weren't really there to begin with. And so... What are our goals? Obviously, if we're talking about hitting, we want to hit the ball consistently. We want to hit it hard. Yep. So if a player is hitting the ball consistently and hitting it hard, do we really need to 
slow everything down to Break stop action. Down, coach. Yeah. Yes, to, to stop action. So she drops her hands a quarter of an inch at the start of her swing. Well, but she's still hitting the ball hard and hitting the ball with power every single time. So should I work on solving that quarter of an inch problem or am I creating more trouble by trying to fix that? You know, we have a player who's her arm angle is not perfect on her throw, but it's in her glove and out of her hand as fast as you can possibly imagine. She's throwing everybody out, but she's throwing everybody out because, you know, she's getting rid of the ball quickly, even though she's not throwing it as hard as somebody else. So the player next to her is throwing the ball 60 miles an hour. Our girl is throwing the ball 50 miles an hour, but our 50 mile an hour girl is throwing everybody out. Our 60 mile an hour girl isn't. So why would we try to take that 50 mile an hour girl and break down her throwing to the point where she can throw the ball harder? You know what I mean? It's just so so that that balancing act is what I think we're, we're trying to find. No, I think that's a super point, Tori. And the video stuff is awesome. It's amazing. It's cool. As you pointed out earlier, sometimes we harp on the negative stuff rather than ingraining all the good things that we do through the video portion of it. Right. I, I love when we use it. If we identify something we want to do better, review it, watch it, and delete it. It's gone because yeah. it's not going to help us anymore. And then immediately review one that was amazing, that was good, whether it was ours or someone else's that can let us burn into our memory what we want to try and replicate. Then after that, the, the video piece, again, I think is, is super exciting, but I think we overuse it sometimes. Yeah. And just as you said, you can take someone that's doing amazing and pick it apart when you're doing it frame by frame, and you can pick it apart and find something wrong with almost everything. Right. And that kind of depletes the excitement. And you know, to your point, uh, someone that can throw it 50 miles an hour, but get it there, you know, get it in the air quicker is a lot more effective than somebody that can throw 60 that has to plant their feet and take a little more in their setup right? and uh, not going to be as efficient, not going to be as effective. So I think through good training, we can polish out some of those little pieces, those drop the quarter of an inch hands. Uh, you know, we can pick apart a perfect swing, but if she dropped her hands just a little bit, we can, you know, we can pick that apart or we can try and fix that quarter of an inch just through good consistent training and talking about keeping your hands still and the finer details of that what we're expecting to be perfect rather than identifying as it a oh my gosh i can't believe you dropped your hands the moral to the story today for us as coaches is to keep thinking about what it is we really are trying to accomplish and making sure that we're not making things so stiff so robotic so mechanical that players lose the fluidity lose the athleticism lose the natural movement that i think a lot of them have you know, when I work with catchers, one of the things I always try to teach them to do is a way to get rid of the ball faster. You know, the, the challenge for us is from the time you get it in your glove to how fast you can get it out of your hands. A lot of catchers, I think when they're small, you know, they're, they learn to take kind of like a hop, skip and a jump, you know, like take two or three steps, you know, to build up momentum because they feel like that's the only way they can throw the ball hard all the way to second base. Well, that hop, skip and a jump is so slow that they can't possibly make up for all the time that they've lost. None of them have a strong enough arm. So, you know, trying to quicken them up, you know, make them, you know, a little bit more fluid, a little bit more efficient. And, you know, they always get the, well, I'm not throwing the ball as hard. Okay, so let's get the t stopwatch out. Yeah, but you're getting people out, right. right? You go ahead and do the old system with the hop, skip, and a jump, and you're going to throw the ball 60 miles an hour. 
and then let's do this new approach where you got the ball in and out of your hand really, really fast, but you throw it 50 miles an hour. Which one do you think is going to get to the net the fastest? Well, the 60 mile an hour, and it's ridiculous how much faster the other one is. And you know, Stan's point earlier, the goal is to get the ball out of our hands, right? You know, get the ball moving towards first base. You know, the, the shortstop we talked about before that only throws 50, but she gets rid of the ball so quickly. If you took Usain Bolt and put him in the starting blocks and gave him a 10-yard head start and had the worst softball player on your team throw the ball to the other end of the track, that ball would beat him to the other end of the track. 50-meter dash, 100-meter dash, whatever it is. When you think about it, you know, the fastest human being alive is, what, 25 miles an hour? You know how slow a throw that's only going 25 miles an hour looks? When you think about it, I mean, it's, it's almost hard to throw the ball at 25 miles an hour because you got to have such an arc on it to get it to go anywhere. You can't keep it in the right. air, right. One of the things we got to make sure that we're thinking about is what we're, the message that we're giving our players and what we're seeing and wanting them to do are on the same page. You know, our goal is to get people out. Our goal is to get on base, you know, to hit the ball hard and hit it with power. You know, our goal is to do these things effectively and driving ourselves crazy or maybe holding our players back a little bit because we've got it in our head that we need to solve a problem. We need to solve an issue. To me, I think it's important that we kind of adjust our way of thinking about it a little bit more and start to see the, you know, the fluidity and the athleticism and the, the natural movement is, is an important part of it as you know, the truly mechanical correctness of something that they're doing. I love it. So we're going to talk about the end goal as being smooth and fluid, even though we've broken it into all these little pieces, and then cut them loose right. and see what well, they can do. So if, uh, if it looks like a player is doing something that's not quite right, Don, you hit this nail right on the head. Instead of breaking it down and saying, okay, uh, you're going to do 500 wrist snaps, well, the wrist snap probably isn't going to really solve the problem. You know, that's probably not really what the problem is anyhow. But we have them do 500 wrist snaps, or we have them do you know whatever the the drill of the day is. And in hindsight, what we've done is taken something that wasn't that big of a problem and emphasized it so much, come up with a plan to try to to address it that we are probably creating more problems on down the road. So when we're talking about fielding, what's our goal? Get the ball in your glove and out of your glove as fast as we possibly can. What's our goal when we're talking about hitting? Hit the ball hard consistently. How hard do you have to hit it to hit it hard consistently? I mean, going to depend from player to player. Right, you know, a, a five foot tall, ninety pound kid hitting the ball hard isn't hitting two hundred and fifty foot home runs. Her hitting it one hundred and ten percent. Right, her yeah. hitting it hard, and the ball goes through the five six hole, and the shortstop doesn't even move because it's already in left field. You know, Effective. pretty good for her. Yeah, you know, for the shortstop who's throwing everybody out by two steps at first base with a fifty mile an hour throw, why are we going to kill ourselves to try to make her throw sixty? And what do we lose if we do that? So now she takes an extra step. And has the ball in her glove a little bit longer to create a little bit more extra momentum so she can throw 60. And half of them are safe by a step. Right. Or it's you know that much harder now for the first base person to make the play because instead of catching it easily where the runner was you know still two strides away, now every play is bang, bang. So she's stretching out and trying to reach and trying to do all these other things because it's getting there faster, but it's getting there riskier. So coaches, that's our, our moral for the story is make sure we know what we're trying to do and then let's uh, train our kids to do what we want without turning it into this slow motion nightmare of breaking down skills to such a fine point that we lose the, the natural fluidity and, and uh, athleticism that a lot of these kids have. That's a fun one. Yep. All right, so Don, that's going to wrap up number 165. Um, as always, please make sure you support our sponsors, the Anderson Bad Company. Go to patreon.com slash everything fast pitch. Become a patron. 
We definitely need your help. It's five, ten, or twenty dollars a month. And again, thanks to Keith Belfonte for becoming our newest patron. Uh, so for Coach Don McKinley and our producer Stan Lewis, this is Coach Tory saying thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again next week.